probably not going to bless somebody with this next comment, but when I first came to Basildon, uh, we did this uh, thing, which I find quite unusual with preaching, is that the preacher <coughs> who was due on Sunday would speak to the worship leader who was due on Sunday, and you would compare notes to make sure that the worship was in line with the word. And when I first heard that, so I told you I wasn't going to bless somebody with this, I'm not going to tell you who it was. I laughed, because I thought it was a joke. I actually thought it was a joke, this idea of a worship leader and a, and a preacher having to talk to one another to make sure you're on the same page. In my world, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, who's going to make sure you're on the same page. So no, not through any particular design, I just kind of rebelled and just didn't ever ring the worship leaders and they were a little bit cross with me. But when you don't do that, when you don't construct it yourself, this happens. We finish the worship where the word is just about to begin. And it acts as a confirmation and an inspiration to all of us that we serve a living God. That he is alive and he is speaking to each of us. And sometimes I get asked questions like, how do you know it's God? How do you know God calls you to Sierra Leone? How do you know that God calls you to Africa? How do you know God calls you to put into the offering? How do you know God calls you to serve as a children's worker? How do you know when God says it's time to start the youth ministry or give up your whole life and move to Basildon? Well, moments like this tell me that I can hear from a living God. He is alive and at work today. And I will serve no foreign God or any other treasure. You are my heart's desire. I'm going to be reading to you today from Mark 10, 17 to 22. I'm going to be jumping in and out of a few different scriptures. But to begin with, I just want to read this to you. It says, oh, let me put this in some context. Mark 10 kind of stands alone in these gospel where you have these five different events that appear to happen and they seem to have no real connection to one another other than the fact that Jesus is on a journey and these are the five things that he comes into connection with. Interestingly, the one before the one I'm going to talk about was what we talked about during the, the notices and how Jesus views children. So loads of children were coming up and they wanted Jesus to lay hands on them and all the disciples were saying, no, no, go away, go away. This is adult business. And Jesus went, you have missed the point. Jog on, if he was an orphaner. That's what he'd have said. I don't know what he'd have said down here. He'd have said, get lost. Go away. He said, the kingdom is theirs. And unless you're like them, you're not going to receive it either. Well, why do I say this? Because all throughout Mark 10, Jesus was being followed around by the Pharisees. And there was a whole group of people there that were asking questions. And I wonder, as your trust trying to find it, if you ask yourself this question, do you know when, when people come up to you sometimes, maybe it's just me, maybe it's because I am who I am and I do what I do, but people come up to me, sometimes they ask me really good questions. Do you know, I'm going to stereotype, it tends to be the children. They tend to ask me really good questions. And do you know what makes them really good questions? It's not how academic they are or how impossible they are to answer sometimes. It's because they're genuine questions. That they genuinely want the answer to. And I know that there is no agenda within their question. Do you know when I'm in the pub? Yes, that's right. Your pastor goes to the pub quite often. I like it. Okay, don't ever get drunk. Moderation, okay. Or I'm at a football game. Or I'm just meeting people on the streets. And people ask me questions. Sometimes I think to myself, 
Is this a genuine question? Or is there an agenda? How sad is it that when I'm in church I can say that, that the balance flips the other way and I can almost guarantee that every time I'm asked a question, there's an agenda. You've already come with a theology in mind. You've come with an answer in mind. Well, this is what Jesus was experiencing. He was being followed around by the hyper, hyper religious leaders. And they weren't asking these questions because they wanted to know the answer. They wanted to ask these questions to try and fool Jesus. To try and trip him up. On this occasion, it wasn't the Pharisee that asked him a question. But they were there. And they were listening. And they wanted to know every mistake that Jesus was going to make. Was he going to contradict the word? Was he going to contradict Moses? Was he going to contradict them? Or heaven forbid, even the Sadducees? So this rich young guy comes running up to Jesus. He falls on his knees before him and says, Good teacher. He said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, it tells you a little bit about where he got his wealth from, doesn't it? His instinct was whatever he was going to get of any value, he was going to inherit. He wasn't going to earn it. wasn't just going to be given it. He was going to inherit it. Had to come from somebody else. I guess that's where he got his wealth from. Maybe he didn't go and start Apple or Google. Maybe he just inherited it from a, uh, a rich uncle. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So every atheist out there has just proven us right. Because Jesus is here saying he's not God, right? No, of course he's not. It's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, if you're calling me good, you must acknowledge that I'm God. Is that right? I just want to confirm that with you. Yes, that's right. You know the commandments. Remember, this is Jesus talking. And I want you to use your imagination. Because I know many of you have heard this a thousand times. He says, you've heard the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your mother and father. And he says, teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that. Whatever happened, whatever he said, whatever he was right or was wrong, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So of course, what we all must do now is go home, sell our houses, our mobile phones, empty our bank accounts, bring it back, put it in the offering basket wherever Tony's gone. Um, because that's what the Bible says to do, right? No, it's not what he meant. And if you'd like to do that, I suggest you go and speak to somebody who has far more wisdom than me to see if it is what God is calling you to do. Because he might be, and I'm not telling you he isn't. I'm just not telling you he is either. Let's break this down. I was at youth on Friday. <clears throat> and we were going through this. This is actually when the Lord spoke to me about what I was to preach on today. I was going to preach on something very similar, but it wasn't quite the same. And it was a child who asked me the question. non-Christian child, unchurched. So he didn't know the answer. She didn't know the answer. So you know what the commandments are. And we just listed them all off, right? And she said, yeah. I said, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? She said, yeah. I said, should we go through them again and count them? We did. Only six are named in this chapter. Did you notice? Should we go through them again? 
Did you know the commandments? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your mother and father. Now, I'm not the smartest cookie in the box, but I know that's only six. I also know what the Ten Commandments are, so I know the four that are missing. So, to try and get this across to an unchurched person, and I am not telling you, heresy alert, okay? I am not telling you that this is what happened. This is just my imagination, because really I'm a 14-year-old boy trapped in a man's body, okay? Um, This is my imagination of what happened and a really good way of explaining it to a kid. So it goes something like this. Jesus. But my son, you know what the commandments are. One, two, three, four. Don't, don't steal, don't be mad. And he's listening going, yeah, 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 yeah. And he, he knows he's coming to the end of his yeah, yeah list. And he goes, but, but I did all those things, I did all those things. He jumps in before Jesus gets to the things that he wasn't doing. Imagine that. Imagine you go to your children, you gave them ten chores to do. And you go, did you tidy your room? Yes. Did you do your homework? Yes. Did you do all your washing up? Yes. This, 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 this. Yeah. And before you get to the, did you do all your homework? Did you help your sister? Did you do, because he knows he hasn't done that. He jumps in and says, but I've done it. I've earned my salvation. I've followed all those rules. This is the heart for me of what Jesus is getting at. Because the four missing commandments can be summed up in the instruction of what he gave next. Do we know what the ones that are missing? The first one's missing. The one that actually later on in the Bible Jesus says is the number one commandment. Is I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall have no foreign God. Now this is Jesus... God himself, inhuman, incarnate on earth. Do you think he forgot that one? I don't. Do you think he might have been saying to this rich young man that you have made your money your God? So go and get rid of your God. Here's the key thing. I highlighted it in my verse. Go so everything you have and give to the poor and you shall have Trevor in heaven. Full stop. Then. Do you know what the word then does in this Bible verse? It tells you that it's two things. They're not connected. They are entirely independent of one another. It says, go and get rid of your God that is getting in the way of me and you. Full stop. Then come follow me. Can you see there's a difference? What are the ones at the bottom of the Ten Commandments? Because they were missing too. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant. Possessions. We don't like to admit it, right? Because we don't like to talk about slavery in 2019. But oxes and humans and slaves, they they were possessions. All of the commandments that were missing out of Mark 10 were to do, not with money. Yes, it was to do with money. Yes, that's the literal translation. Yes, you shouldn't worship it. But he was really talking about what was getting in between him and God. A couple of weeks ago, last week we heard Vladimir, the week before that I preached on something else. But the week before that, do you remember, we talked about a little boy and a tunnel and God being on the other side. 
you not remember? It's a beautiful story. It's how I came to first know what Jesus did. So God is on one side of the fence and I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm sorry, I'm that little boy. So are you. And there's a big tunnel where I can always walk through and get access to God. And God can always walk through and get access to me. But I start to litter my life. I litter it with sin in the picture because it's like a little cartoon strip. It's like cans of Coke and sweetie wrappers and all sorts of other junk. And we start to fill up the tunnel so that we can no longer get through to the tunnel to God. And God can no longer get through the tunnel to us. So we have to send his son Jesus to die on the cross to make that bridge. Do you remember that bridge? Well, in the picture of the tunnel, it was so we could clear out all the rubbish. So that we could again get access through to God. And God could then get access to us. This is what Mark's telling us about in his gospel. He's not saying to be a Christian, you can't have wealth. It is one of my biggest bugbears. We call it poverty mentality. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, you have to be poor. You're not allowed to have a nice house or nice clothes or nice cars because that's being selfish. There are children dying in Africa, don't you know? We should sell all of our possessions. And it comes from these Bible verses being mistaught. Jesus is not telling you, you have to be poor. Jesus is telling you, you can only worship him. Do you know, it says it in Matthew 6. I don't want to jump all over the Bible today, but I do want to confirm to you that what I'm telling you is scriptural. It's not just Ricky's humble opinion. He says, do not store up your treasures on earth where moths and vermin can destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is... I love the Holy Spirit, don't you? I can confirm these notes to you, by the way. Don't call it bluff. I didn't write a sermon in 10 seconds. It took me to walk from the chair up here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is dark, how great is the darkness. Here's the key bit. No one can serve two masters. Either you will have a favourite. No, no, it doesn't say that. Either one, you might have a bit of preference on one to the other. No, it doesn't say that. Do you know what it says? Either you will hate one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Let that sink in. This is not about a first favourite and a second favourite and a third favourite and a fourth favourite. This is love and hate. This is extreme ends of the scale. And do you know the example he uses in the original, it says mammon. Mammon, we don't know what mammon is. We don't talk about mammon. Don't get it confused with manna from heaven. That's something different. Mammon. Why? Because they were so much better at words than we are in England. We have like a thousand different words and still don't really say anything of any worth. Mammon went all of your worldly possessions. It meant anything of value. It meant anything that might get in the way. It says you cannot worship God and money. Do you know I am constantly reminded of this? This is, do you know I keep telling you that I'm the biggest sinner here? This, this was something on my journey that was really important to me. So it came as no surprise that when I was really successful in business in the early years, I wasn't walking close to God. I was so obsessed with building my career, building my fortune, that I couldn't focus on God. 
It was a constant distraction. In fact, I can tell you the day it went wrong. This is only 50% of my testimony, so let me be careful. As in the other part of this story is to do with somebody else, and I don't want to draw them into to telling you. But whatever happened, something happened in church on a Sunday morning. It happens. We have arguments, right? People fall out. See, those who are in the no, 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 why not saying it. There was a massive argument in church one day. It was decided that we would leave the church, the people that I was with, and that we would find somewhere else. We weren't going to do it straight away, though. We needed a bit of a breather because we were hurt by church. So we would take a week off and go shopping instead. Just do something on a Sunday. Do you know, we had a lot of fun that Sunday. So we thought we'd do that the following Sunday too. It took me seven years and two audible voices from God to call me back into his kingdom. Seven years of hurt, seven years of heartache, seven years of absence from the throne room because there was an argument in church. Can I tell you where it really went wrong? I wasn't in church that Sunday. I was in work building my career. I wasn't even involved in the argument. I just received a phone call. We've had an argument. Are you with us or not? I said, yeah, of course I am. No idea of what happened. No idea what the argument was over. Loyalty to people. Maybe if I was there, maybe if the conversation wouldn't have even happened, let alone it may have not even turned into an argument. Is that where the problem came? Was it to do with church attendance? Am I going to start keeping a register of you on a Sunday morning? Maybe not this Sunday because it's half two and no one's here. No, it wasn't to do with church attendance either. Where did it start? Where was that problem deeply rooted? My greater desire to build my career than it was to build my faith. I'll tell you now, I ain't never making that mistake again. I've never made it since, never planned to. Do you know if I have a pound in my pocket and someone asks for it, they can have it. I don't care. I want to eat. God's always been good to me. You know, I did something this week, I'm not even going to tell you what it was. And I thought, I've made a little bit of money there. Only a couple of quid. Not much. Like, not even enough for a takeaway. So I made some money there. And I got it in my pocket and I thought, I got a bit of extra money. And God said, yeah, it's not for you. <laughs> Great. Try to give it to someone else. But if I hadn't have done it in the first place, I couldn't have given it to the person who needed it, right? We have to be faithful to God. I've gone off track, I'm sorry. So we're getting through this Matthew 10, this rich young man who is desperate to inherit eternal life. And he's just listened to Jesus saying, but you know the scriptures. And he said, yes, of course I do. Maybe that's, I go to church every Sunday. Maybe that's, I've read my Bible three times backwards and I speak Hebrew. I don't care. Because he knew what he was missing. Sometimes if you read uh, sort of like Bible devotionals, commentaries, they pick up a, a real emphasis on the word lack. Jesus says there is one thing you lack. But he doesn't say in really specific detail what it is. So some people have surmised and said maybe it's that he lacks poverty. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell all your possessions. Well, that's not a thing, is it? Doings, that's a doing word, not a possession word. So what is it that this fellow could have lacked? Understanding? Revelation? 
wasn't money, we know that. Probably wasn't friends. It was Jesus. Come on, Sunday school guys. You all went to Sunday school. The answer is always Jesus. Always. If you're falling asleep when the Sunday school teacher's talking to you, and somebody kicks you and says, right, what's the answer? Jesus. Right? There's like a 9 out of 10 chance you're going to get it right. Don't make me start walking around here kicking you on a Sunday morning. I will do it. There's one thing you lack. And he's crying out and he's saying, it's me. And then he says, so go and sell all your stuff. How about that? Go and get rid of your idol. Go and get rid of that thing that is stopping you get to me. This is where Ricky crosses lines and I don't care because I love you too much. I don't want to be polite and courteous. Maybe this is a heartache. Maybe somebody has mistreated you in the past. And you know, it's the weirdest psychological thing in the world that when there's a heartache, we hold on to it. Pain is sometimes comfortable and we don't know why. So maybe it's a mistreatment. Maybe it's a dream. Here's one for you. I've struggled with this myself. Maybe it's a broken dream. Go back to 25-year-old Ricky and say, where do you think 35-year-old Ricky will be? It wouldn't be here. I had another dream for my life. Maybe it's a broken dream. Maybe it's a dream you still hold for the future. And you're so obsessed over your dream for the future that you're not focusing on today. Heaven forbid it could even be a sin. Why do we always talk about sexual sin first in church? Well, I don't know actually, because it's only the second biggest sin I can think of. The biggest sin I can think of is this. It's always to do with money. It's always to do with money. If you find out why a big successful church has fallen through the floor, you can ask me once, and within two answers, I'd get it. He was nicking money out of the coffers. Whoever he is, doesn't always have to be the pastor, could be the treasurer, chair of trustees, one of the elders, might have been a kid at the back of the church. Hand in the coffers, number one, always to do with money. Number two, it would be a sexual sin. Pastor took advantage of somebody. Youth pastor slipped up. Somebody had an affair with somebody. I knew a great church. Great church. Youth pastor had an affair with the worship leader. Not me, by the way. Why? There are two things that are naturally inclined to turn our heads. If it wasn't one of those, I can guarantee you it's the third one. We don't really get to that today, but this could be one of your problems. Could be one of mine too. Power. Authority control, whatever you want to call it, it's all one thing. Go and sell everything you have. And give it to someone who needs it. It's not about money. Go and get your idol and throw it away. As far away from you as you can possibly throw it. If it's a bad idol, don't throw it to the poor because they don't need it. They've got enough of their own problems. It's not a literal example. Then, block capitals, underlined. I want you to do that in your Bibles, write in your Bibles. Get to this word then, it means the story's changed. That sentence is over, full stop. Then, come follow me. Why? 
Because if we follow after him in vain, we're going to struggle. We're not wholehearted. We're not sold out to him. We're not giving him our best. I know everyone preaches on this and they preach about money. I'm not. Can we skip to the end? This man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Messiah, the Saviour to all humankind, lost a soul that day. Because Jesus wasn't willing to compromise on this. He said, follow after me with everything you've got. Get rid of your false idols. Get rid of that pain, that heartache, that disappointment, that dream, that thing that is distracting you from me. Then come follow me. I don't want half you. I want 10% of you. I want 50% of you. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you, says Jesus. I want all of you. Get rid of your insecurity. Wow, we don't have little golden idols these days. But if there was something in this church, sorry to get personal, there's no point in me, I'm not preaching to a, a, a television, I'm preaching to people. If there was something in this church that we have to get rid of, it's insecurity. Why wasn't I invited to dinner? Why hasn't that person texted me? Why wasn't I involved in this decision? Why haven't I been included in that? Why didn't I know this was going to happen? Well, maybe because things are going really fast at the moment. And maybe it's more important for us to fulfill what God is calling us to do as a church than it is to constantly sit and stop. There are church denominations that do that. They won't sneeze or order toilet paper without consulting the whole body of the church. There's lots of those in, in Basildon. Please. They're there. I'm not saying we're not going to ask you. I'm not saying we're not going to include you. But it's not from a place of insecurity. What else could this guy be saying? This rich young ruler. <clears throat> I think if the Bible was written in 2019, I think the story would be a bit different. I think they would be a young know-it-all. Maybe a young liberal, maybe a young politician would be running up to Jesus and saying something like this. But I am a good person. Surely I shall be going to heaven. I think that's what the 2019 translation would say. I think Jesus would say, do you know the Ten Commandments? Because the truth is most of our generation don't. Most of my generation definitely don't. I don't know about your generation. Maybe they memorised it in school. But my generation, most of them didn't. But the answer would be the same. Jesus said to him, you know the Ten Commandments, but you're missing something. Come follow me. Jesus would be saying to this young know-it-all in 2019, yeah, yeah, that's great, but you're missing something. You need me. None of us are getting to heaven without Jesus. None of us are getting to heaven without Jesus. So can we just deal with the self-righteous amongst us? We've dealt with those with insecurities. Sorry. I'm amazed I'm still here after two years, if I'm honest. Can we deal with the self-righteous? Because it happened straight afterwards. One of Jesus' crew, one of his disciples, says, Peter spoke up. He said, we left everything to follow you. Yeah, we in. You just told this rich young ruler, sell me your stuff, come follow me. So we did that. Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one has left his home, his brothers or his sisters, his mother, his father, his children or his fields for me 
and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions Jesus was an honest fellow wasn't he? So you'll get it all back a hundredfold as well as persecution God is a God of multiplication and in the age to come in eternal life but many who will be first will be last let's not get self-righteous about this and say maybe you have sold your house and all of your possessions maybe you took it literally lots of Christians do uh, we might call them monks or nuns or uh, there's many people that do many different things for that kind of stuff maybe you've taken it more uh, metaphorically like I'm talking about today and maybe you're working through all of the idols in your life and one by one you're getting rid of them and then you're turning up here going oh I busted it I mean you lot aren't but I've, I've cracked this I sold my house in rugby I gave to the poor I'm following Jesus I mean no don't get self-righteous I'm going to get my reward this is not about a right and a wrong. This is not like, I'm great, you're rubbish. This is about, we need Jesus. We need Jesus, they need Jesus. I want to finish nice and early <clears throat> with just a little reminder of uh, one of my favourite passages and how I want us to be as a church. Okay, this was like a little tidbit. This was a, a little thing that God added on at the end as I was finishing up. thinking, Look, how am I going to bring this together? Well, he says it's dead simple. We talked about it in the early church. It says in Acts 2, 42 to 47. We're going to read this. We're then going to take a moment to stop and reflect. We're going to sing a song. And we're going to break bread together. Well, we're going to break bread together. And then we're going to sing a song together. I hope that's okay. No children's work today? We don't have to go and get them. Okay, just have to. Acts 2, 42 and 47 to 47. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awes and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you know we can say that as a church? Maybe not daily, but we can say it weekly. The Lord has been adding to us weekly. For those of you who don't know, I always go and say hello to new people in our church. It means every week I've gone and said hello to somebody new. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful testimony. It's got nothing to do with what we're doing. It's that we're within the favour of God. Our job is to remain in the favour of God. The early part of today's sermon is all about you. Before you do anything, keep your relationship with Jesus sweet. Go and get any of those idols. We've all got them. Do you know, I think I've told you this before, but when I preach, I have to prepare my sermon before 10.15 when I arrive here. Because so often the Lord speaks to me through this stuff before he speaks to you. And I can't stand here as a hypocrite. Just wouldn't be able to do it. You just end up with no sermon. So I have to go and set this stuff straight in my heart. So please don't think this is a word of condemnation because it isn't. This is a word to all of us. Go and get those idols in your lives because we've all got them. 
smash them to pieces. Throw them away. Whatever it is that's getting in the way of you and God, get rid of it. Doesn't always have to look like a little gold statue. Then, do you remember? Full stop. Then, come far after me. What does that look like? I love, this is one of my catchphrases, I love that Jesus does not call us into isolation. It would be so easy in isolation not to sin, not to be selfish, not to be greedy, not to be insecure. He doesn't, he calls us into community and he says, I know that is ten times harder, guys, but I don't want you to be alone. I want you to be in community. So we're going to break bread together. Musicians can ask you to come up and play.